Hello, welcome to Flour Butter Eggs Sugar. My name's Kate. I am the host of this podcast, which is all about home baking by Home Baker. And today I'm actually recording in my living room again because the washing machine is very noisy. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about desserts that you can make ahead. And this is kind of geared at um, the holidays or Christmas, but it could be any time really as well. So, and I'm going to give you some ideas about how you might adapt these at different times of year and stuff. So we're going to be talking about a very, very classic chocolate mousse, as well as a burnt caramel custard, which is really silky and great. And then I'm going to be giving some opinions, I guess, about souffle and trifle. So that is what we're going to be talking about really looking forward to it and I also want to just give give a quick shout out and a little rundown of a very exciting biscuit bonanza for charity that I went to uh, yesterday so that's what we're talking about and I will see you on the other side of the music So I just want to say a quick hello to Vera, who's listening from Alberta, Canada. And thank you so much for listening. It was wonderful to receive your email. Really nice chatting to you. And yeah, thank you so much. Um, It's really delightful when people get in touch. So do feel free at any time. It is flourbuttereggssugar at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Instagram. Um, I might try and pep up our Facebook group because it's not reactive. Uh, but yeah, those are probably the best places to find me um, at the moment. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was a quick rundown of this uh, Biscuit Bonanza event I went to yesterday, which was fabulous. So I'd seen this uh, on Instagram, which is how you find out about quite a lot of baking related things, to be honest, in London. And it was a project um by Nicola Lamb who runs Lark which is a pop-up bakery um she's an exceedingly talented pastry chef and uh with Kossoffs which is a bakery in Kentish Town in North London which is really really good in its own right um I went for a spot of lunch there before the biscuit bonanza thought I'd have a nice relaxing time and not be rushing there and worrying about queues and such like. So I went early, had lunch, had a little browse around a few of the local shops and then got my biscuits. Had a lovely, lovely day and um, there were various other people involved too. Um, And for example, there was Verena Lochmuller of Ottolenghi. Also Joe Clark, who works at Kossoff's and is tremendous baker. Uh, Miel. Le Chou, uh, Jolene, well actually it's the bakery side of Jolene which is called Big Joe, which is a bakery and they also have I think a restaurant in London as well, they have a few different branches, also Painted Dog Bakehouse and uh, My Little Cake Tin which is run by Turanoma Sinha which, whose recipe I've featured before, her chocolate cake recipe, as well as Tockless, another fantastic bakery and Sarah Johnson so yeah it was really really good um I got many many biscuits (laughs) so um so we got raspberry and cardamom linzers which I've just eaten really delicious I had a cinnamon toast sable um which was a Nicola Lamb one really really nice um, buttery vanilla spritz, um, double chocolate sable, just had, it's really rich, but very, very good. Ginger cornflake Florentine, which was delicious. A snickerdoodle, which I was kind of like, uh, I'm not really that into snickerdoodles, maybe like whatever, but actually it was really, really good. Um, a Leibkuchen amaretti, which was phenomenal. And I couldn't believe the layers of flavour that were packed in it. This was um, a biscuit by 
uh, Verena Lochmuller, or Verena it probably is actually. And it was had Leibkuchen spices. Then it also had it was also had a strong almondy flavour, which is what you get in Amaretti. It's an almond biscuit um, from Italy. So you get the kind of it's often made with ground almonds um, and flaked almonds, but then you also have a bitter almond flavour as well a lot of the time, kind of marzipani flavour. Uh, but then it also had like a hazelnut chocolate centre, and I just couldn't believe like biscuits for me are usually like a one or two flavor type of affair like quite simple and I do love biscuits like that as well but I just couldn't believe how she'd managed to pack all of those flavors in and how I could taste all of them in just a couple of bites genius um there were also uh babka sables which I didn't get and damson and vanilla thumbprints which I didn't get I just only had set there was only so many things that I could actually buy <laughs> and I was being soppy and I wanted to get two of each thing so that Gemma and I could enjoy each one together and then like I really I really like talking about what I'm eating um I don't know if any of you can relate to that but I I love boring people to death about food so I wanted to be able to discuss notes with her so I got two of each um one time like I think it was a couple of years ago we got a couple's advent calendar just yeah <laughs> and then we could eat, we each got one chocolate in each thing so there's like two chocolates in each door if you see what I mean and then we could like talk about the chocolate it was great um so it's kind of along the, in that vein uh there was also crispy oat cookies which sound great but I haven't tried them yet I always love oat biscuits though citrus and candied peel shortbread it's like a mixed citrus which again sounds really good, but I didn't manage to get that one. Um, just too many delicious things, honestly. There was a pistachio biscotti, which I haven't tried yet. I kind of figured that biscotti has quite a good shelf life, so I'm going to leave that till as one of the later ones that I eat. Whereas I think shortbread tends to be quite stale um, after a couple of days, so I'm trying to eat those ones first. And I also got a twice-baked pecan vanilla shortbread by um, Susan Sprungen. Um, sorry, am I saying that wrong? It's Spungen, sorry. Um, so, yeah, really, that was really, like, crunchy. Really, really good. Um, and the citrus shortbread was by Sarah Johnson. So, yeah, quite a lot of different people involved in the making of this. Um and, there, and then there's there was also an alfajor, um, or plural alfajores, um, which is South American, I think it's Argentinian, type of biscuit where you have like shortbread and caramel. And often it's wrapped in chocolate, like this one was. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed that. Uh, and that was by Joe Clark from Kossoffs and Nicola Lamb from Lark. Um, yeah, so... Lots of different people involved, um, lots of fantastic biscuits. I was saying to my friends, it was kind of like my Glastonbury because as somebody who absolutely love bis loves biscuits, dreams about biscuits, adores biscuits, always wants to try a new biscuit, also has hundreds of favourite biscuits. This is kind of like, yeah, my World Cup final, my Super Bowl. <laughs> so I absolutely loved it. I was one of the first people there queuing <laughs> um, and I very much enjoyed myself. Um, I got a bag of 20 to take home. Uh, we have eaten, we've eaten like mm, 13 of them already. In fact, I've got 21. Yeah, so there is still another like seven or eight to go. <laughs> um, so we're doing quite well. I've eaten slightly more than Gemma, so yes and it was for a good cause it's for the trussell trust which runs a lot of food banks obviously it's very sad that we need food banks i don't think it it should happen in a rich country it's it's absolutely wild um however uh they need supplies more than ever so uh we should definitely support organizations like that um so it was great to, that the money was going towards something important as well 
and I just can't wait for the next one. And I would also recommend, if you haven't already, uh, to follow Nicola Lamb if you've got Instagram um, and, and Bakery Lark as well. Um, and also she's got a newsletter called Kitchen Projects, which if you are a big like baking geek, you will love. Um, I love it because I am a big baking geek and it kind of goes through a lot of science and tries out different things to see what makes a difference and what doesn't and then comes to a kind of ideal recipe or what they think at the time is a good recipe. Um, so it is usually Nicola writing it, but not always. That's why I said they. Um, I was using it in the, um, what's the word? I wasn't using it as a singular. I was using it in the, the sort of plural, as a plural pronoun. Um, so yeah, definitely sign up to Kitchen Projects. There's also a Kitchen uh, Projects Plus, KP Plus, which I'm considering getting a subscription to. It's it is another thing to subscribe to, and I already have got a few subscriptions on the go, paid for ones, I mean. So, for example, I'm a paid subscriber to Vittles. Um, however, like, it really often does look worth it, like, some really phenomenal recipes, including this week. Um, so she's shared some of the recipes on KP, Kitchen Projects, and then some of them on KP+. Plus. And one of the ones that's on KP Plus are those Leibkuchen hazelnut chocolate amaretti, which I was in love with. So, yeah, I might have to subscribe just for those. <laughs> so that was my adventures in Biscuitland, and I was thrilled to be there. And thrilled to now participate in an annual tradition of not only baking mince pies, but also baking lots of biscuits. Um, so, yeah. Here's to, here's to more of that. So it is now time to talk about our desserts, our mega head holiday desserts. The first one up is chocolate mousse. Now I chose this ages ago for the podcast. I wanted to include it. I took a couple of nice pictures of it. But as you might see in the pictures, I garnished it with raspberries. And raspberries are now way out of season. So it was ages ago that I first made this. Uh, but I've managed to finally include it in an episode. And the basic chocolate mousse, you know, it doesn't really go crazily out of season. Um, it's got two main ingredients, just chocolate and eggs. This is a raw egg. Um, this is a raw egg recipe. So if that's something that you don't, you know, that you feel nervous about or you can't get hold of eggs that are definitely sort of disease free, then use um you can find different recipes out there for sure um so you can find like there's quite a lot of no egg chocolate mousses that come up if you google it and typically that they involve whipping some sort of heavy cream basically and that's all well and good what it does do if you use it's good if you use a really dark chocolate because it kind of mellows it as you might imagine having quite a lot of dairy it kind of mellows that out quite a lot it takes away some of the fierceness and bitterness from the chocolate so I think it's if you're going to do that that's what I'd recommend um it's a perfectly good method especially if you can't eat eggs or you can't get raw eggs that you feel comfortable using um or you know you're immunocompromised or whatever um and just add a bit of salt as well um and it's you're essentially just making a whipped ganache if you do that which Again, nothing wrong with that. It's delicious. Um, this is a bit more airy, because um, as you as you might know, you know the texture of a whipped egg white is is really quite something, isn't it? Um, so these are really really airy, and quite nice at maintaining quite a clean kind of chocolate flavour. And I also just love the simplicity of it. The fact that it's two main ingredients is great. 
However, if you are using quite a dark chocolate, you might want to add a couple of teaspoons of sugar. And also, um, you might want to have garnishes. And I would definitely use a pinch of salt. But it is two main ingredients, chocolate and eggs. Um, so all the all you do, basically, is it's 110 grams of chocolate. Um, you can use dark, you can use milk. You can blend those. Obviously, if you use milk, it's no longer going to be dairy-free. Um, milk chocolate. But I quite liked using milk because I found that with a really high co- high cocoa quant- um, high cocoa dark chocolate, it was a bit too intense for me. So it sort of really depends on your taste. Um, you could do a lower percentage than 70, which is my typical one as well. Um, but still use a dark or bittersweet kind of chocolate. Um, and just, you also really want very high quality chocolate, ideally, because, uh, that's, that's what it hinges on is good chocolate. Um, you could also do a blend of dark and milk, for example. Uh, you could probably use white, let's be honest. If you really wanted to, I wouldn't, but that's, that's fair enough. Um, so all you do is you melt your chocolate and then cool it. Uh, usual melting methods, please, obviously. So you want bain-marie, which is simmering water in a bowl where it doesn't touch the water, but it, it, it's heated by the steam. Or, and just melt it really gently, or you can do it in very short bursts in the microwave and just be really, really careful. That The other thing is that I find that only really works with very high-quality chocolate. Lots of other chocolate tends to burn. Um, but it is my personal preferred method is is microwave. It's just a bit less clearing up to do afterwards. Um, but you want to cool that so that it doesn't kind of immediately cook the eggs. Because um, then you have a lumpy mousse, which is not what you want. And then once that's cooled quite a lot, you mix it with the egg yolks. So you might want to pre-beat those um, egg yolks and then add them. And then in a separate, very clean bowl with very clean whisk electric whisk please I would imagine or you could use a stand mixer but you want to whisk those egg whites to medium peaks add a pinch of salt maybe a teaspoon or two of sugar um, depending on how sweet your chocolate is and what you want it to taste like and then you're going to simply fold the egg whites into the chocolate mixture and a kind of typical method that you've probably come across is you fold the like you sort of just stir a third of it in a third of the egg whites to try and loosen sort of loosen the mixture and make it easier to incorporate the remaining two thirds um but i tend to just fold the lot in um in two or three two or three goes that's what i tend to do i don't really think it makes that much difference to be honest and then all you're going to do next is just cover those um you don't really want it to be touching any cling wrap um and just chill them well before serving and that is literally it um yeah (laughs) that's it Uh, it makes about four um so they it you want to chill it for about two hours or up to overnight um but don't go too much longer than that because it will eventually fall like those the structure that's created doesn't kind of last forever um, so it will collapse and obviously you know it's also something that can go off as well and go bad um so that's our chocolate mousse in terms of serving suggestions because berries are not are out of season at the moment um you could use frozen berries and defrost them um you could use like various dried fruits um you could use a mint that would be really nice actually uh, potentially but I what I would be inclined to do in this season is probably to grate over a bit of lemon or orange zest just before serving I think that was re- that would be really really nice and then I like a bit of crunch with it so I sometimes put nuts on the top or I could serve it with a crunchy biscuit so a, a shortbread would be good here or um maybe if you want a a sort of spicy thing like a speculose or speculars 
um, something along those lines or like a tweel. Not that I really make those very frequently, but something crunchy on the side is nice. So we're now going to talk about our burnt caramel custards. So these I found on the Bon Appetit website. Um, and they are absolutely phenomenal. They're from Peggy Loftus. And the um, I want you to just go and look at the recipe, really, yourselves. I've linked to it on the website. What I've done is I've halved it. It makes eight quite generous servings. And I live in a household of two. Um, so I halved it for my own purposes. But obviously you could feel free to double it again if you want. Um, and it's a huge amount of cream, just to warn you. So it's 475 uh, millilitres or, or grams-ish of double or heavy cream. Um, that's just two names for the same thing. One vanilla bean, or in my case, it was two teaspoons of vanilla bean paste. 75 grams of sugar. Um, and then a little bit more for the topping. Um, so about two tablespoons more for the topping because it has a crunchy top. Very exciting. And then three UK, EU medium or US Australia large egg yolks. No, no whites in this. It's very, very rich. And then a bit of salt for um, seasoning and garnishing. So the reason I chose these is they have the most incredible texture. They're very silky. Um, they're very well balanced. So there's been a little bit of bitterness in there because you make a caramel and then you also top it with sugar and burn it. Um, I think that they are extremely sophisticated, but also quite understated. And the best bit is that you can just shove it in your fridge, um, up to two days in advance. The only thing with that is that you probably want to do the brulee just before serving because that again the 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 it won't stay crunchy for that long um so that's the only thing um and i think if you wanted to make it a bit more festive you could so you could change the spicing or add add some more spices so there's a stage where you are heating the milk so in that stage you can maybe add a cinnamon scroll a clove or two things of that kind of nature um, you could also add orange peel, uh, and kind of, um, infuse the cream with that taste of orange. That would be really, really nice. Um, yeah, lots of different ways that you could kind of do a twist on this really. Um, if you wanted, you could actually do like some sort of interesting tea flavored cream, couldn't you? Like an Earl Grey flavored cream. That's just occurred to me. I might try that out at some point. And then once again, I would suggest uh, having a bit of texture. So it does have the textural contrast of the crunchy top, which is wonderful. And maybe you don't need to add anything to this. It is it's already quite a substantial dessert. Um, it is already well balanced. However, if you did want to add a biscuit on the side, I don't think people would complain. <laughs> Put it that way. So I will leave that up to you. Um, and in terms of how to, um, in terms of how one makes this, um, you start by heating the cream and infusing it with vanilla or other spices or you know peel or whatever you want, and bring it to the to the boil, um, and then you take it off the heat. You also then boil uh, two tablespoons of water and uh, the sugar and you swirl the pan occasionally um, until you've got a really deep amber caramel so you don't want to stir it because you are likely to get uh, large sugar crystals if you do that so that's why it's saying that you need to swirl it rather than stirring it um, there's a really helpful re um, recipe video actually with Claire Saffitz if you want to watch that as well. Um, 
So you then add the cream to the caramel. Really delicious. Um, be careful because it'll bubble a lot. So you don't want to burn yourself. And then just set that aside. And then you want to whisk your egg yolks, salt, and a bit more sugar. Um, and then you stream in the caramel whisking constantly. Um, and then that's your custard. And then you put it in between your ramekins and you put those in a water bath um, and then you bake for about an hour. Um, and the oven is going to be at 300, which is really low, isn't it? I'm trying to work it out on the fly what that is in Celsius. I think it's 150 Celsius, I think. Um, so yes, that's, that's kind of it. And yeah, you might want to serve it with a bit of whipped cream. That's what they suggest. But I, 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 there's plenty of other things that you could instead, you could shave a bit of chocolate over the top perhaps, but I think it's kind of good to just, to just have the, the, um, the brulee topping, um, which is something I apparently added <laughs> to the recipe, which I forgot to <laughs> add that to the blog post. So I'm going to do that. But essentially, you follow the recipe that I've linked to, and then just before serving, you sprinkle over a bit of sugar, and you then like torch it or grill it. That's it. Um, I can't believe I did that and then forgot I'd done it. That's wild. Um, so yeah, it's really, really good. Very sophisticated, silky, delicious. Um, it's maybe not the lightest thing I've ever eaten, but it's also not like a big heavy cake. So it's it, you could probably get it in you even after a fairly big meal. Um, and then the last thing that we're going to talk about is I've got some opinions I want to share about two things. One is souffle, which I wanted to include in this episode and I just didn't have time to bake it. Um, and then the other one is trifles. So that's what we're talking about next. So in light of my <laughs> mistake when I forgot that I'd brulee it without um, and they didn't, I just wanted to adjust the, so it's actually 100 grams of sugar that you're going to use to make the caramel. I just wanted to let you know that. And uh, I think that's, oh, and the other thing that I was going to say is I say grill, but what grill means broil to um, a lot of you in North America, I think. So what I mean is I'm putting it under a flame or under a, a heat source that's from the top, um, you know, in a, in a safer way as possible. I don't personally have a blowtorch. Um, I'd quite like one of those little culinary blowtorches, actually. So maybe at some point I will get one. But um, that's what I did. So I've now adjusted the recipe on the website so that it actually reads correctly. And um, now on to our opinions, my opinions. I don't, nobody else has to share them. But the first thing I want to say is that souffle is not as hard as everyone makes out to be. So I don't know about you, but I watch a lot of food competition TV shows. I, I'm addicted to them. And they always make out like, oh, is the souffle gonna, is the souffle gonna rise? Is it not gonna rise? And it's like, well, it is a science. If you follow the steps, it will rise. Um, it can vary depending on like how fresh your eggs are or like if your if your egg whites are cold or not but it actually I think as long as your eggs are in date it's really and and as long as they've whisked up properly there isn't really anything to fear if you can make a basic meringue you can make souffle um that's that's pretty much the gist of it um and everyone that listens to this podcast I would imagine can make a decent meringue already so yeah, don't let the, the sort of TV fool you about that. The other key principle is you don't want to weigh down those whisked egg whites with a lot of liquid. Therefore, you use some sort of like pasty thing, a puree type of situation, um, a thick pastry cream or um, another concoction. So there's a there's a recipe for halva souffle that I really want to try 
um, on the New York Times website, which I've linked to. Um, I really want to try that. Um, and that kind of uses milk and halva to create this like kind of, uh, yeah, kind of saucy consistency thing. Um, so you don't want anything that's too liquid, it'll weigh it down, but you also want something that isn't so stiff that you can't fold it into the egg whites or you can't fold the egg whites into it. So that's the kind of balance that you're maintaining um, in a kind of, if you're making like a sweet meringue, uh, sweet souffle, sorry. And that's basically it. Um, you know, as long as you keep the door closed while it's baking, you're kind of fine. Um, as long as you, you know, as you always do when you're whipping up egg whites, you want to whip them up with a stabilizer like sugar. You could use cream of tartar, both. You could use a bit of salt or three, um, in order to try and help them maintain those peaks. Um, you want a quick clean bowl and a clean whisk, you know, so that you're really, you're not kind of, um, trying to whip up fat um so that's yeah those are the main things to to really be aware of it's just the same as if you're making meringue essentially um and then the other thing is just not opening the door but that's the same again with a lot of meringue recipes or a lot of macaron recipes is, is not opening the door um the and then in some ways this isn't a make ahead dessert but in some ways it is you can definitely do a large part of it ahead of time so you can make the kind of puree or cream or whatever custardy thing ahead of time. And then the thing that you have to do close to service is um, whisking your egg whites and then folding um, folding the cream into them or vice versa. You could fold the, them into the cream as well, I think, um, whichever works. So and then baking it. So that's the bit that you'd need to do before service. Um but yeah, the actual puree you could make a few days in advance, like no issue. So that's my opinion about souffles. I, if I make that halva souffle, I will post it on Instagram. So follow me for that. If if nothing else, it's just flour, butter, eggs, sugar. That's that's the um, tag. And then that's kind of my opinions about souffle. Like it's not as hard as people make it out to be, as long as you follow the science. Um. And then the second thing I wanted to talk about is trifle, a very contentious subject in Britain. And I think in, um, I think it's eaten more as well in Australia and New Zealand. Tell me if I'm wrong. I know that they love um, pavlova. <laughs> that is a very contentious subject, I think, in Australia and New Zealand, pavlova. We have it here as well. Um, but I think they might be trifle people like we are. And I know that some other countries have trifle too. Um, but in Britain, it's a huge kind of tradition. It's a very, very much a big part of Christmas. You also have them in the summer, like it's kind of a year round situation. And when I was growing up at Christmas, my mum would always bring out this enormous bowl of trifle. Um, in, in a fancy glass bowl, like a, a cut, cut glass type of situation. And people would spend a few days working on that, <laughs> getting through it. Now, I love my mum, she's a great cook, but I never really liked her trifle that much. I'm sorry, mum, but it's true. You know that it's true as well. Um, and it's just a sort of a personal taste thing, but I'm not really that big of a fan of jelly. I'm especially not a fan of mixing fruit and jelly, which we tend to do in this country. And I also find it has textural issues. Like I think it wants more crunch and crisp and it's very slop and dollop. Um, and I find as well that it, and a sort of British trifle has a lot of flavors. And I would just, I kind of like would if it was just pared down a bit. So I don't mean to be blasphemous, but it's just, that's just my taste. Um, however, I do like the idea of a layered dessert that you chill in advance. So for example, I really like tiramisu. I really like kranachan, which is um, an oat cream and raspberry situation from Scotland. It's really, really nice. Um, and so I'm going to talk through my personal principles 
when it comes to trifle. So what you do want is you want something dry, a baked good that's dry, slightly sweetened, but maybe not too sweet, that will absorb liquid without dissolving into nothingness. So you don't really want too tender a cake, you know? So in Britain, we might use Madeira cake, which is this like sturdy, quite dry cake. <laughs> it's kind of a canvas for other things often. In tiramisu, you use ladyfinger biscuits, which are very boring, but they soak up all of the flavor of the coffee and the liqueur um, in a wonderful way. Um, I've also suggested using um, panettone, um, which is kind of like quite a dry festive bread from Italy. But there are like lots of different versions of this sort of dryish festive bread all around Europe um, that you could use instead. Um, yeah, nothing too heavy, nothing too, nothing too moist. Um, and then you want like a nice whipped light liquid. So in tiramisu, it's a zabayone, or the French call it a sabayon, which is a kind of custard made with raw eggs um, and, and liqueur, uh, usually masala wine, actually. And in trifle, in British trifle, it's often whipped cream and custard, which I think is too many things. It's like there's a lot of wetness going on here and that is not enough crunch for me. Um, so yes, I personally just like to have three or four layers, but maybe you can personally, I think it's nice to like double those up. So you have like maybe like six or eight layers, but it's like a repeating pattern. If you see what I mean? Um, so here are some ideas of things that I think would work really nicely. So my first one I've called orangey, cakey, chocolatey, nutty. So this would be lady fingers soaked in orange juice and Cointreau or maybe even clementine juice and, and Cointreau, because um, that's quite easy to get in some places like here. Tinned clementines. Don't knock them until you've tried them. They are absolutely delicious. <laughs> and it means that you don't have to peel, spend your life peeling clementines, which I think is life is too short for this. Um, and then cream. Um, the other thing is you could use, I've just realised, you could use like the liquid from the tin maybe as well to soak the biscuits to soak the um, biscuits um yeah and then cream whipped cream and then like shaved chocolate and or maybe toasted pistachios or hazelnuts or all of those that's my number one is a sort of clementine uh nut and cream and chocolatey thing the second one is I've called it lemony, cakey, almondy. So it's three layers. So it's panettone soaked in a mixture made from lemon juice, sugar, hot water, and limoncello. Of, unlike an orange juice, um, obviously lemon juice just on its own is incredibly acidic. Um, well, they're both quite acidic, but it's even more acidic and very tart. So um, that's why I've said to mix it with sugar and water. And, on, and a bit of limoncello, which is very nice, which is a lemon um, liqueur, if you're not familiar. Um, and then to have a lemon curd whipped with cream, perhaps a touch of sugar if you've got a very tart curd as well. And then just, just putting some lightly crushed amaretti on top. I think that would be super delicious. A lot of panettones have um, citrus peel in them, lemon peel, so... That's what a classic panettone is meant to be like anyway. So you're kind of having lemon on all of these different layers, which I think would be wonderful. And a lot of almondy flavor, which goes really well with it too. The next one is a spiced prune, almond, port and mascarpone thing. And I found this on Greatest, the Greatest website. I've linked to it on our website. Um, but the only thing I've, I'd... I've made a few suggestions. I really wanted to include something with like a dried fruit in it because it is very Christmassy and also some of them are very underrated. I think prunes are excellent. If, if you don't know what prunes are, they're just a dried plum. And growing up, my mum used to eat them just as they were 
out of the packet to help her digestion. But like I've started eating them in desserts and they're delicious. Um, so yeah, don't obviously eat them for your digestion. That's fine. But also eat them for pleasure because they're very, very delicious. Um, and I always thought they would, they would be gross, but they're not. They're used in a lot of Eastern European baking, um, along with things like plum butter as well, which is amazing. And they're used in actually in lots of um, European countries. I've had an Italian prune tart, which was delicious uh, when I went to the River Cafe. So very underrated. Um, and then, so yeah, prune, mascarpone, almond, port, I just think it sounds great, like the combination of things. Um, and I would suggest finding the cake rather than making one. So an almondy panettone would be nice or something of that kind of ilk. Maybe a pandoro. And then the last thing is um, apple, honey, oats and whiskey. So it's like based on Cranahan, but rather than having raspberries it's using apple and the recipe calls for you to kind of make a reduced apple sauce and this is quite similar I reckon to what already exists in a lot of places especially in North America um, you just call it apple sauce and it's just like a reduced apple mixture now in England apple sauce is something completely different it's very sweetened and you have it um it's like a sort of relish I guess I know it can be used as that as well but it's definitely not like something that you it's it's not something you'd bake with it's not it it's more complicated than than your applesauce um it's got more ingredients in it um and then yeah and um what I found though through reading Tava is that they have it in Eastern Europe so I reckon that that must be where that kind of tradition has come from um, in the US and they have others too that are very similar so they call them apple butter or plum butter uh, please don't ask me to say it in Romanian um, and it's just fruit that's cooked low and slow for ages so you're reducing the moisture content and increasing its shelf life and I found that I can actually buy this in both the kosher section of my local supermarket which is wonderful um, and all the lots of Jewish food shops have it as well because obviously this is partly used in the Ashkenazi Jewish community as well um, maybe other Jewish communities as well but I'm not really fam as familiar and um, I can also find it in the Polish shop so I just found that really curious um, like there's this kind of there's clearly a very, there's a string there, isn't there, to history, which is wonderful. And I thought you could maybe cheat in this. The, I've linked to the recipe um, that makes, from Abel and Cole, where you make your own kind of apple sauce or apple butter. So I've thought, well, why not just cheat? And like, you might want to taste your apple butter or apple sauce and see what it's like. And you might want to add a bit of lemon juice or a bit of sugar, or a bit of salt, and just kind of like make it nice and balanced, and then you want to add it, right? So that's the only thing I'd say is taste it, see what it needs to round out the flavour, or balance the flavour with everything else, and then you're using whipped cream and toasted oats as well. So yeah, that would be really delicious. Um, so those are my opinions. Um, take them or leave them. But I hope that this episode has given you some inklings of inspiration, maybe a couple of things you might want to try in, in the coming period. And as I always, it has been an absolute joy talking to you today. And this is nearly the end of the episode. So 
what's remaining is for me to tell you what is coming up next. Now, if I were to release another episode in two weeks, that would be Christmas Day. Um, but actually, I'm going to take a chance to recuperate, rest, regroup. Um, I'll still be working on the podcast because I'm always thinking of ideas of things that I want to do, things I want to make, ways I could improve it, all of that sort of stuff. But I, yeah, I want just a bit of space to just have a think about things and spend some time with my partner, bake just purely out of pleasure rather than just research. Um, although all of it's for pleasure really, isn't it? But you know what I mean? So that's, I'm going to take a a few weeks off and I'm going to come back on the 8th of January um so yeah um so I hope you don't miss me too much obviously you can listen to old episodes if you want to um yeah or the other thing I'd recommend is I've come across a new um well it's not actually that new but a podcast um that I really enjoy recently, which is called Sweet Nothings. Um, it's less recipe heavy. It's more about like food culture, um, internet culture. And it's, it's just really fun. Um, so I would really recommend it's, it's by a woman called Kelly who is Scottish. Um, so instantly I love her because I love Scottish people lived there for, 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 for a number of years as well. And she moves to Italy um spoiler alert so talking about that is really interesting as well so I'd really recommend listening to that if you want another food-based kind of cozy like podcast that isn't as kind of corporate if you want to listen to something along those lines that's my recommendation as I say I'll be back on the 8th of January and I do need a bit of time to like refocus because I'm not entirely sure what is coming next actually (laughs) Things that you can expect in the next series, though, is going to be things like donuts, more bread, because I've not made that in a good while, Um, more chocolate cake. I've been meaning to have another chocolate cake episode for ages because that was a very popular episode. Plus, you can sort of never, like, go too far with it. There's always new twists on it, and it's delicious. Um, Tarragon, which I've been mentioning for ages, as you might know, but it's more of a it's more seasonally a springtime herb here so I wanted to wait until it was at its peak um Canadian bakes might be in there um Portuguese baking I've been meaning to do that for absolutely ages um maybe choco flan because I don't think I've covered that yet and I've made that ages ago and it was really really good um maybe some more pastry based things because there's been quite a lot of cake and and biscuits um so yeah lots of different things that you can possibly expect um I think for sure donuts is going to be in there for sure tarragon uh for sure Portuguese for sure chocolate cake and yeah loads more besides though I, I would imagine so watch this space um and I look forward to seeing you in however long that is is it four weeks So yeah, I hope you have a lovely festive season. Um, Hope you have a very nice rest and some deserved time off um, and spend some time with loved ones um, if you can. And whether or or not you celebrate Christmas doesn't really matter as long as the main thing for me is that you have the best time and have a chance to, um, yeah, kind of enjoy time with loved ones and put your feet up a bit and don't spend all the time in the kitchen okay I know that the the temptation is there it's there for me as well (laughs) but do maybe try to make some things easier on yourself um so yeah until the 8th of January take care and happy baking bye
so my PS today is, as I said in the site, my signing off, having four weeks off or three weeks off doesn't mean that I'm not still thinking about baking. It's an eternal obsession. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to occasionally be checking my emails. Don't expect a response straight away, but I would love to hear from you. I would love to know your ideas, things that you want me to see me have a go at, any bakes that are kind of specific to the place in the world that you live or to your culture that you want me to have a go at. Send me recipes, send me ideas. I love to try things out. Um, I love to be constantly challenged. And... I do want to work a little bit on the sound quality of the podcast at the moment, as you might, you know, have noticed, well, you will have noticed the sound of the music is a lot higher than the the voice. So I need to just ask for some very basic <laughs> podcast editing advice. But also um, the other thing that I want to do is maybe invest in a slightly better microphone. Um, they seem to be on a scale where it's like the more you spend, the better, unfortunately. Um this one's kind of met my needs until recently, but it is quite cheap and it is falling apart. So I might be asking for your help in the, you know, in the in the new year. Um, if anyone would be willing to to maybe chuck me the price of a coffee, that would be that would be that would be very welcome. Um to just help me make it more professional. Um so that's what I'm going to be working on is the quality of the sound as well as the usual research about baking. Um, so yes, please do send me your ideas or any advice. It's flourbuttereggsugar at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook. I need to be a bit better at using it, but you can find us there. And you can also find us on Instagram as well. Um, it's just at flourbuttereggsugar. So I look forward to connecting with you wherever you prefer or just next time I talk to you (laughs) on the 8th of January. So once again, take care and happy baking. Bye.